we streamline and simplify the process for borrowers getting mortgages with their mortgage brokers, whether it's taking the loan application online, uploading documents, collecting documents, messaging and communication, emails and text messages going out to the borrower, that whole process from nose to tail all the way through to closing, we help simplify and streamline that. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Dave Sims from Flowify. If they were back on our show way back in December 2016, Flowify is a app that allows you to do document collection and manage your deal process. And so I thought I'd have Dave back on because I know they've been investing a lot in their platform and it's been growing. And this episode's a little bit different because I wanted to just get to know his story and how he got into building a software as a service for the mortgage industry. I think you'll find this episode really interesting. Dave's a smart guy. Also, this episode is sponsored by Broker Help. So if you're a mortgage broker and you're like, man, I'm so busy, I need to hire somebody, but I don't know, I don't have the first clue how to hire, check out brokerhelp.ca. We'll actually do the entire, uh, help you figure out what you need, help you find that person, test them, and then even train them. So it'll provide some basic training so that they become really valuable and useful to you quickly. So check out brokerhelp.ca if that is something you're interested in. Check out this episode with Dave. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Good to see you again. Yeah, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on here with us. And I know you guys have been working hard on your your app and what you're doing and how you serve the mortgage community and stuff. So I wanted to get an update on that. But if anybody hasn't heard the previous show, let's maybe start at the beginning. And I'm going to ask some questions about sort of kind of who you are and what you guys do. So tell me one thing about you that you can't find on Google and what company you guys have. That's something I like to... That, I have heard, uh, interesting question. I have heard you ask that question before. So like there's a personal achievement. It was a long time ago, like 10 years ago, but I ran two marathons seven days apart. So that was just a personal thing that I like and it's not on Google. Right. Well, actually, maybe because if you if there's if the result, I'm just teasing <laughs> you. If the results are on Google, we could probably find search your name in Google. And that's pretty impressive. I'm actually I signed up for a half marathon this weekend and I haven't been training. I just thought, let's see what's the worst that could happen. I just yeah, walk. No, you'll have a good time. Okay. And then tell me about your company. So Flowify, what do you guys, what problem do you guys solve? So with Flowify, we, we streamline and simplify the process for borrowers getting mortgages with their mortgage brokers. So from start to finish, whether it's taking the loan application online, uploading documents, collecting documents, messaging and communication, emails and text messages going out to the borrower, that whole process from nose to tail all the way through to closing we help simplify and streamline that. Okay. And so how did you get into this? Because I I, I'm, I know this, but you didn't start in the mortgage background, right? Like it wasn't like you're a mortgage broker who woke up one day or a loan officer and like, hey, I want to solve this problem. So how did you get into yeah, this? Yeah, it's a great question. So as an adult, I've always been a software developer. I have another company that was and is continued to go strong. But my wife and I moved here to Boulder, Colorado, and we've refinanced our home seven years ago. And just going through that process, I realized, oh my goodness, there could be such a better way. So for example, you know, I did, did, did some shopping, found my loan officer, local loan officer, and finally decided, okay, I'm going to go with this person. And then he handed me off to his loan officer assistant. And then you know, I felt bad for her because... That never happens. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I had no problem with that. that yeah, yeah, that's, that's all fine. good. Process, you know, specialization is good. Mm-hmm. But she just... Like her entire workday, she lived in her Outlook email. That's all she did was asking for tax returns and 
T4s and all these kinds of documentation that we all know that she needs to collect. But I felt bad that she was just, you know, like I, I got my documents back to her, but I accidentally forgot a couple. She's reminding me and I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'm a geek. So I wouldn't just email my tax returns. Of course, I would encrypt them. And so I, I send my encrypted tax returns and I wouldn't hear from her for a couple of days. And I called up, said, hey, did you get my email with my tax returns? And she was like, well, I got the email, but, you know, and I was like, so, and she said, I, I couldn't open it. And so it, it was just going through that whole experience. I knew there had to be a better way for both borrowers, brokers, the LOAs, everybody involved. Right. So it was just basically your own pain point of as the cust- from the customer's perspective saying, Correct. hey, this is a broken process. Could it be done better? And then, so then how did you go from that to actually building this? Because it's one thing, lots of us see things that are broken. I see broken processes all the time, but that doesn't mean I jump in to fix it or, or certainly try to take a bit, make a business out of it. So what happened there? Totally. And that, so that was seven years ago, almost to the day. And so I've been thinking about it and ruminating on it and talking to a couple close colleagues. And so about six and a half years ago, we just decided to go ahead and try to do something about it. And so it actually spun out of my other software company. So it started there, got its development going, its traction, its marketing, its sales and support. And then it just started getting bigger and bigger. And so we decided to spin it out. So it was a year from the initial going through the loan process to you actually starting or what was the time frame? I'd say, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say seven or eight months from went through the experience till I still have the the software code check-in message. It was June 12th, 2013, I remember. So that was when we first started developing the software. So that's about seven, eight months, somewhere in that range. Right. Okay. Just out of curiosity, what was the other software thing that you guys do or the other program? That, what is it that you were oh, doing before? Yeah, it's for like financial institutions, banks. It's called Flux. It does file workflow orchestration, and it just automates files as they go through very, very complex multi-step workflows. So it, it really has nothing to do with mortgages specifically, but it does have to do with financial institutions. So you know, I and the company, we're, are, we are in that frame of mind, but, you know, mortgages, as I've learned over the last six and a half years, are own different world. And it's been great just learning from all of our customers and partners in the space. Right. Okay. What did you come up with the name? What is the, where did the name come from? Because yeah. I know that sometimes naming, especially tech companies, like, well, you got to find something you can get URL for, but where, what is, where, where did that come from? So this is a good, this is a good story and I'll keep it short. So again, the other company I have is all about workflows, right? So back then we tried a different play on that and we came up with this, we kind of like spun off on the name workflow. We came up with Flowify. The problem with that was uh, when we looked online, flowify.com was taken. So we thought, you know what? What about if we took away the W and Flowify with no W was available? And so we did that eight or nine years ago. We bought that domain. And that's, that's the story of Flowify with no W came about and kind of worked out because it's, it's pretty unique. And, and along the way, we managed to acquire the Flowify.com with a W, but we really like it without a W. So it's worked out. So one of the things I always like to ask anybody who's in business or in your particular in tech is I think that you know, it's great when things work out and we have success, but failure has always been the biggest teacher for me. So I'm curious, what's something that you failed at and what was the lesson in it? Oh, yeah. So I failed at almost everything I do. So, you know, professionally as an adult, 
I've tried to start multiple businesses, you know, and in my life, two of them, only two of them have ever worked out. And so I guess for me, it's kind of always knowing when to throw in the towel. And with like, for example, with my first business, I started it way back in 2000 and 19 years later, it's still going strong. It took maybe about six months to really start seeing some traction there. Lo-Fi as a software as a service, that took a lot longer than that. And I've learned that that's pretty typical in the software as a service space that it takes you know, it takes a couple of years to really get going and Flowify was no different. And so, yeah, sometimes it's knowing when to throw in the towel and sometimes it's knowing, needing to know like what's going on, what, where am I, you know, what, what business climate am I in? And sometimes you need to give it a little bit more time. Right. Okay. So I think that's a point, important distinction. So can you think of an example of when, when you threw in the towel and you knew it was the right decision? Can you think of something that you were like, ah, this is just, you know, yeah, for sure. So like the last three or four software services or products like that I've attempted to start. I mean, one was, it was about the same time I was starting my previous company back in 2000. It was actually the third company I had tried to start that year in 2000. And, you know, the, the, the first one, I got some early feedback and people weren't really liking it. They weren't really excited about it. The second thing I, I tried to do I learned, you know, midway that there was this this big company already doing it and I felt that it wasn't the right move and then I tried the third company that year back in 2000 and it got like immediate good reception. I think I made my first sale. It took a couple months to make the first sale and then it took a few more months, call it, let's call it 3-4 months to start making regular monthly sales where it would be a, a going concern. And so sometimes you just don't know, but sometimes you just got to know like, hey, this, this isn't working out. It's time to try something new. I mean, because as an entrepreneur, grit and you know, pushing through when it gets difficult, if you don't have that, you're never going to survive as an entrepreneur. But then the flip side of that is knowing when that's actually not working. And so do you have like a, a framework or is it just a gut instinct? Like what, what right now, what made you realize that? Because you said it took a couple of years for Flowify to get to a place where you're like, okay, what made you know that this was still the right path and it wasn't one of those, hey, throw the towel in? That's a really good question. So I think we were about, I'm going to call it about a year and a half in, and we had customers and we had that early traction, but it was still, it was it's still difficult to show that value. So about a year and a half, I remember talking to my wife thinking like, I don't know, is it you know still worth it busting our hump every day, you know, seven days a week? And then we saw, we thought like, okay, well, maybe that's something we'll consider. And we, we kept working through the month. And then that month I made 10 sales. Like and I was selling back then. And that was, I mean, just to give everyone a little sense of scope, that that's way more than I ever done before in a month. I mean, like before in a month, I might make zero, one, or maybe two sales. And all of a sudden one month, boom, there were 10 sales. And so there were still early adopter folks. And that gave me a lot of confidence, like, okay, people are appreciating this. I knew it was still early adopter time, but that gave me the confidence to go on. And then, I don't know, it was two, three years later, Rocket Mortgage did a favor to all of us by putting a Super Bowl ad out for Rocket Mortgage. And all of a sudden, everyone in the industry in North America realized that they needed the kind of software that we offered and things got better from there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. That's actually interesting. So they like a rising tide lifts all ships. And so the rocket mortgage setting the customer expectation that, hey, this should be easy. It shouldn't be someone's outlook in their email or they can't understand how to open up a 
encrypted document. And okay, I want to go back to a second because something you said is interesting to me is the 10. You, so what happened that month for you to get 10? Did you just have more leads? Was there more refer? Like, did you go to a conference? What was it that took you from zero in a month to 10? Yeah, that's a good question. I know exactly how it went. So we did something, you know, this was very, very early days. We, we, we did it one time and we never did it again, but we actually bought a mailing list of loan officers and we hit this mailing list and we felt really bad about doing it because, you know, it's not very cool. We did it one and only once, but enough folks expressed interest from that email. That was the impetus, no doubt about it. Okay, Basically, interesting. So something, even though it worked that one time, so you used it, this list and you managed to get, and what was the next month, 10 customers or was it different or what happened sort of, because sometimes these, the, the buy cycle could take, you know, 60, 90 days. So I'm curious what happened over the next couple months. Right. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was still encouraging enough. It, it got to the point where each month there were regular ongoing sales. Right. And I think the lesson there and what, what we since morphed into, of course, is like, you know, the good old SEO and content marketing and, and, and all these other things that we do today. But then is, is something we like, it was, it was almost like a last ditch effort. We were thinking about throwing in the towel. We're like, okay. Right. So you had the towel. You're like, let's give this a try. Even though I can tell by listening to you that, you know, buying a list and not spamming, but reaching out to people was not something that's high on your list of things that you enjoy doing. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, as a human being, we all kind of know that that's, that's not necessarily the, the thing that we maybe want to do. And so, yeah, you're right. The towel was in my hand. My hand was like cocked back, ready to throw. And it was kind of a last ditch effort. But yeah, and that, that actually did give me and the small team that we had at the time the confidence to keep pushing forward. Okay. So then I want to ask about at what point did you realize that, hey, this is actually, this could be something even bigger than I thought. Or did you, did you always think that it was going to be a big opportunity? Or was there a point where it kind of clicked for you and you're like, oh man, I, this could actually be pretty good. So I think I was pragmatic enough to know that in the beginning that this might not work out, especially having tried multiple other software businesses along the way. And so I, I thought I was trying to be mo- pretty moderate about it. And then the revenue did get high enough, like our monthly recurring revenue was high enough. So we were thinking, all right, it, I'd been selling up until that point. And we thought, okay, it might be time to hire sales folks. And one thing, one lesson I'd learned along the way was when you're ready to hire your first salesperson, don't hire one, hire two. And so that's just sort of like sage internet okay, why, wisdom. Why is that? What, I, I think I know the answer, but I want you to tell our audience why. Exactly. You have to be able to see why one, what one person is doing may be working and what the other salesperson is doing may not be working. Because if you just hire one, then you know, if they're not selling, you might be thinking, well, you know, it's the market, it's the environment, it's the time of year, all these things. But if you hire two, and one starts to really knock it out, then you can kind of spot those differences. And we still, we still um, try to hire in pairs when, when it's feasible. Right. Yeah, we're in the process of hiring some people for our, one of our companies, and we hired three salespeople. And my team was like, why are we hiring three? And I'm like, because just like you said, it's important to have some difference of personalities, different perspectives, but then we can better. And it's, easy, it's just as easy to train, honestly, three people as it is to train one. Mm-hmm. It takes the same amount of time. So especially with modern technology. So I, I agree with you. I think that's smart. And then I'm curious when it comes to like building the, the SaaS part of your... And maybe this is not what you're expecting from my questions, but I, I get curious and then I've got to ask these questions. So 
the question I have is how did you teach your salespeople to be effective at doing SaaS, you know, sales, SaaS sales? Was it something that you learned from someone else or something you just learned by iteration? What, how did you do that? So for me, it was just instinct. So by nature, I'm an introverted software developer. I definitely do not consider myself good at sales, but you know, I really wanted the business to succeed. And so whatever natural inclinations I had, I just simply like pushed past them and overcame them. So when I was training the first two sales folks, I just trained them on what I did. You know, I trained them tone of voice, things to say, what kind of demos do we run through, you know, cadence of following up and following up is so important and always trying to provide value, you know, and don't just say, Hey, did he make a decision yet? You know, like, Hey, here's some interesting news that's going on. Here's some things that could help you. And so in the early days, you know, I just sort of taught them my process. And then what's interesting among the first two sales folks that I hired, I thought one was going to do better than the other. And it turned out to be the complete opposite. Right. You can't always tell, hey, it's no, no different than like an NFL team that goes to the draft and they pick this guy, this, this he's going to be it. Or, or Brady, who's the you know, sixth round, 199th draft pick. Nobody thought that he could he'd do what he's done. And so you can't tell, which again is why it's good to almost split test in a way. So what you've done is you've taken a technology concept, split testing, and you've applied it to personnel. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And just maybe to throw on a couple other things, like in the beginning with sales folks, I followed some other sage internet wisdom and it says the first you know handful or so of sales folks hire the type of people that you yourself would want to buy from. And I would agree with in the beginning, that was what worked for us. Like I hired salespeople that I personally would want to buy from. Mm-hmm. And then as we got bigger and bigger and bigger, and we, you know, we had a new head of sales come in, that, that all kind of changed and we kind of outgrew that rule. But in the beginning, it was really, really helpful to us as a growing business. Right. And okay, so I have a question for you. So if you were to start a new, let's say somebody comes along, Amazon comes along and buys Flowify for a billion dollars. And you're like, well, I wasn't planning on selling, but hey, it's a billion dollars, I'll sell it. And if you were to start an, a new software as a service company, what, what do you think you'd do? I'm just curious. So it's a really good question. So I have been fortunate enough and definitely lucky enough to have two software businesses take off and be growing and profitable and generating cash. And I will be straight with you. I would not do it a third time. It is very hard. <laughs> you wouldn't do it again. You'd go do something else. I would go do figure out something. It's really, really tough. And I've done it twice now. And so I, I would not do it a third time. But fortunately for me, both, both businesses are going strong. Right. That's very good. And just so our listeners know, okay, so we'll talk about the, your, your product. So the, the key thing that you guys do is you help with just, like you said, the application, document collection, communication, and keeping the client, the realtor, the loan officer, mortgage broker, whoever is working in it, everybody's on the same page in terms of where the, the file is at. Is that correct? Would that be a fair... Do you have like a one sentence or some kind of thing that you... when you if I'm, Let's say, okay, I got a, this is a question I want to ask you. I'm in an elevator. We're at a mortgage conference. I'm kind of a big deal. And I'm, I'm, I own a big mortgage company. You have 30 seconds to explain to me what your product does. How would, what would you say? And I know you're an introvert and this probably is not your favorite question, but I want you to answer it anyway. <laughs> It's taken me many years to to uh, develop my elevator pitch, but it remains Flowify streamlines and simplifies the mortgage process. That's that's my quick speech when I'm just meeting someone and doing a handshake. That's something I can tell them. But you're absolutely right. What you were telling, what you were talking about before, from the 
the very beginning from mortgage application to collecting documents to messaging with your referral partners, your real estate agents, everyone else, email and text messaging, all the way through to getting to the closing table. It just gives the borrower one place to go to do all of their work. And a lot of our customers are also having their borrowers sign their disclosures electronically over Fullify. So again, it just gives that borrower that one simple place to go. Streamlines a lot of things. Right. And just, have you ever done any analysis on how much time you think that this, that this is saves the average loan officer? So we have. We've talked to some of our highest producing customers and they will tell us that they have been able to cut like days off of their process from what they did pre-FlowFi versus post. Not, not, only, not only days, I would say, like one of our highest producers, he will, he's running, gosh, four to 500 loans a year. And he does it with about a team of about six people. Wow. So he's just developed a machine and a mechanism and a system that rather than throwing people at it, he definitely needs his people, but he also has the systems in place. Right. That's allowed him to scale. Technology combined with people, tools mm -hmm. that make them more effective. Exactly. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. So what do you, what do you think is the one thing or habit that's made you successful in twice now building your company? Just perseverance, moving fast, trying to talk to early customers as just as early as I can, and iterating and making that product to be a lot more useful for them than th the 30 days prior, just moving fast. Right. Actually, I have another question that I just thought of. So how do you know when a customer comes to you with an idea and they're like, hey, I think it should also do this. How do you know when that's a good idea or just that one-off customer's crazy idea because you can get that feature creep that looks like those remote controls for the TVs that have a hundred buttons and you're like, I don't even know how to use this anymore. How do you avoid feature creep but also know this is actually a bet this is an improvement? Do you have yeah. a process for that? That's an excellent question. So I have two answers for that. When we were small, just a handful of us, I didn't. It was just sort of intuition, you know, because we only had a few customers. And I remember customer number two came along and wanted a couple different things and we built them both. One turned out to be just a big hit, our Dropbox integration. And another thing we built, eh, nobody ever wanted it for like another five years. So right. that was, that's my early company answer. But now, you know, we're 35 people now. And so we have a lot of smart folks. We have so many customers. Unfortunately, I don't get to know all of them. And so now there is a bit of a more of a process. So we talk to, we talk to all of our customer customer-facing staff on the company. Hey, what are you hearing? What are people talking about? And then we talk to customers. We like to talk to both the brokers with the boots on the ground. Like, what are you actually doing? How can we make your process better? And then we also try to, we also like to talk to the other people within the company, the people who are running operations, running disclosures. Those folks are not originating, but they are key members of the team. So we want to make sure we don't get siloed. It would be far too easy to just talk to executive management and never talk to a top producing loan officer and vice versa. It would be too easy to just talking to the top producers and not understanding how we can improve the workflow for the backend operations folks. Right. Okay. So you just, you, you have more opportunity, more data points that you can now look to before you make the decision instead of just, yeah, he wants something built. That sounds reasonable. I'll build it for him. So 
Yeah, you got it. That's that's nailed. That's that's hit it on the head, especially with 35 folks and we have like user experience specialists on staff. I mean, we can we can talk to more folks and bring more effort to bear. Maybe a tad slower. I don't like that, but we still want to try to put some efficient processes in place to make sure that we're still efficient and moving quickly like we always have. Right. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? I'm going to say a person's name instead. His name is Jason Lemkin. He's a SaaS software guy. And I've learned so much about running a SaaS business from reading all his Quora posts and his tweets and so on. Okay. And if, if somebody was looking for to do a demo or look at your product, where would they? I'll put it in the link to our show notes as well. But where could people find that? That's easy. Flowify, F-L-O-I-F-Y.com. And all kinds of good ways to get connected with us by going to the website. Okay, here's my last question. And this is just sort of like a future-paced question. If I wrote you a check for a million bucks and said you have to invest it in the business, maybe that's not a lot of money for you, I don't know. But a million bucks and you have to put it in the business, where would you spend it right now? You think so yeah, I put it in post-sales, customer success and customer support. So we really love investing in taking care of our customers after the sale. You almost can't put enough money in there. So without a doubt, post-sales, customer success, and customer support. You didn't even have to think twice about that. You were like, it took you half a second. You're like, so here's I, the checks on the way, just so you know. I've sent it over <laughs> by courier. Please don't try to cash it. It will bounce. <laughs> okay. Awesome. And so where can people find you? If Are you online? I know you're an introvert. Is there any places online, like you on Instagram or Twitter or anything? Yeah, I'm on all the usual spots, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, not really on Facebook. So Flowify like the company and Dave like my name. I'm Flowify Dave. Okay, well, hey, Dave, it's been great to chat with you again. I'm glad to hear things are going so well. And it's, yeah, it's always great to learn from people that are continuing to crush it in our industry. Likewise, I love what you're doing, Scott. 